Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So it's interesting now, these servants, they discover this bearded Darnell or the tear among the wheat. And they said, Master, do you want us to rip it out? And the master said, no, because you might rip out the wheat because you can't distinguish between the wheat and the tear. And the master said, leave it until the harvest and we will gather the tares and bind them and burn them. And the wheat we will gather and we will put it into the barn. And then notice in verse 36, in your Bibles, when the disciples get along with Jesus, they, they say to Jesus, they say, can you tell us what this means? Now, I love that about the disciples. You remember when you were in school and the teacher would say, you know, does everyone in the class understand what I'm saying? That's my teacher voice. Does everyone in the class understand what I'm saying? And everybody in the class would go, yeah, I understand it. I understand it. You understand it. I understand it. Knowing darn well, you don't understand. But you say you understand. Why? Because you don't want to look like the class idiot. You don't want to look like, hey, I'm the only one in the class that doesn't understand. So everybody in the class, although everybody doesn't understand, everybody in the class says, I understand. The disciples work that way. When the disciples didn't understand something, it's interesting because Jesus is telling this deep, spiritual, you know, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the disciples, they don't sit there and look at Jesus and go, dude, that's deep, man. That is deep. Man, that's heavy, Jesus. That's heavy, dude. That's deep. They don't do that. You know what they say? They say, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? See, I can relate. Because I'm, I'm like, teacher, no, I don't understand. What in the world are you talking about? And then notice, Jesus gives them the answer. Jesus pointedly tells them exactly what he's talking about. Notice in verse 37, if you're with me so far, say amen. He answered in verse 37 and he said to them, He who sows the good seed is who, saints? The son of man. The field is what? The world, the good seeds are who? The sons of the kingdom, but the tares are who? Let me hear you. The sons of the wicked one. The enemy is who? The devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are who? The angels. Therefore, in verse 40, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels. And they'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And those who practice lawlessness. In my Bible, I have written, oh, happy day. 
You watch WRAL and News 14 and NBC 17 and the news and the evil in the world. Watching America's Most Wanted, the evil, evil, awful, evil things that people do to other people and that big people do to little people. Jesus says there's going to come a day when he is going to put away all those who practice lawlessness and praise God, oh, happy day. This will come a day. I'm getting old, y'all. These words are running together here. I need some glasses. And notice he says in verse 42, not only is he going to put down all those who practice lawlessness, he's going to cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. In the book of Revelation, it says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says. He who has an ear, like in one ear. Here we have two ears and therefore we need to hear what the spirit says to this church today. Notice Jesus in verse 37. He begins to explain the parable. There's no need to try to figure it out. No need to try to get into the theology and interpreting and finding out what it means. He simply pointedly points out to the disciples exactly what it means. He says the sow, he, he that sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. And in verse 38, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. And there you can see the true and the false. The enemy is verse in verse 39 is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. You see, it's not difficult to understand. Jesus makes it very clear. It's almost as if because he knows the disciples are like us and we don't often get it. We just don't get it. Jesus says, okay, fellas, listen and listen close. Point number one. He that sows the seed is moi. Got it? And they're going, okay, yeah, we got that point. Point number two, the field is the world. Number three, See, he's just pointing it out very clear, very succinctly, so there is no guesswork. Simple as this. Are you taking notes? The parable of the wheat and the tares simply teach us that Satan has his counterfeit. And he does. Second Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that Satan comes as an angel of light. Remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Satan has his counterfeit and Satan loves to pretend to be something that he is not. He has a counterfeit gospel in Galatians chapter 1. He has a counterfeit righteousness in Romans chapter 10. He has a counterfeit church. In Revelation chapter 2, and he has a counterfeit Messiah. We call him the Antichrist. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Satan's tears look like Christians, they act like Christians, they talk like Christians, but they are not genuine Christians. And whenever and wherever God is moving, Satan is always coming along with an evil imitation. Isn't that true, saints? 
always an evil imitation. Satan seeks to oppose God's work in God's kingdom by planting false Christians. Don't you remember what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you. And there's the operative word. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, Beware of false prophets and you go looking for them? He says, They come to you. You don't have to go looking for them. You don't have to go out, here, false prophet. Here, false prophet. Where you at? False prophet. False prophet. Where's the false prophet? You don't go looking for them. They come to you. Jesus says they're dressed in sheep's clothing. In other words, they're wearing a sheep suit. Not a cheap suit. And maybe they are wearing a cheap suit, but they are dressed in sheep and they come and they look like sheep and they act like sheep and they smell like sheep. Did you know sheep stink? So it's not a compliment in the Bible when it says all we like sheep have gone astray. That's not a compliment. See, they come in. And they look like us and they act like us and they, 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 they worship and hallelujah and bah, praise the Lord, bah. And you can't tell. They come to you. You see, it's no secret. I don't know. I'm not so deceived as a pastor. Let me tell you something. I am not so deceived as a pastor and you shouldn't be deceived as the people of God to think that everybody that walks through those doors are born again Christians. You shouldn't be so deceived. Everyone who comes through the doors of the church are not Christians no more than if you go to McDonald's and stand in McDonald's that makes you a hamburger. Amen, saints? Stand in your garage don't make you a car. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. I was telling my wife yesterday, I'm preparing for this sermon. Recently, I asked a guy, I said to him, I said, are you a Christian? And he said, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, but not one of those born-again types. <laughs> one of those born-againers, he said. And I said, well, what other type is there? I mean, think about it. Think about that. What other type of Christian is there? If you're not born again, then you're not a Christian. Don't you remember when Nick came to Jesus at night? Sorry. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. And Nick came to Jesus. And old lawyer attorney Nick is talking. And Jesus says, Nick, don't try to figure it out. The wind comes from where it comes from and goes where it goes and you don't know. He says, don't worry about it. Don't get all caught up in it. Nick, you just need to know this. He said, what, saints? You must be born again. Can I submit to you? There is no other type of Christian. You are either born again or you are. And I'm just trying to help us to shape our words and shape our theology and shape what we talk and what we say about this Bible. The reality is, if you're not born again, you are not a Christian. There is no other kind of Christian but the born again type. And when somebody says to you, oh, you're one of those born-againers, you go, that's right, what's it to you? 
You don't want none of this. And I'm proud of it. I love being a Christian. Amen, saints? It's awesome being a Christian. But just because people come into the church doesn't make them a Christian. Everybody in the church is not a Christian. Everybody here this morning, we're not all Christians. Don't you remember? Jesus had 12 disciples. And 11 of them were truly with him. And one of them was not. His name was who? Judas. You know that. He was the betrayer. And he wasn't with Jesus. Yet he was hanging around Jesus. He wasn't really a disciple and a follower. He was a betrayer. How do you know that, Rodney? Because you know the story. One of them, Jesus said to them as he sat and talked with them, he says, one of you are going to betray me. Remember that? And they started looking around. And they're looking at each other. And then they said, Lord, is it I? See, they didn't know that Judas wasn't with them. They, uh, wheat and tear. The wheat and tear. Stay together until the Lord doesn't separate. They had no idea. So they said, Lord, is it me? Lord, and they, I'm sure somebody said, Lord, it's got to be Peter. <laughs> Peter, there's something wrong with Peter. Lord, something wrong with that man. Something wrong with him. Well, you, you saw him cut off that guy's ear. That was not necessary. He has got to be the one. And you know the story. He got up, Judas got up, and he left. And then they said, I knew it was Judas. I knew it, I knew it. The black cape, the black glasses, the beady eyes, I knew it was Judas. I just didn't want to say nothing. They didn't know. You see, he was with them, but he wasn't with them. In other words, Satan, taking notes, write this down. Satan plants the false in the midst of the real. And we don't really know who's in the kingdom and who's not. We don't know. And therefore, because we don't know, it is not our responsibility, here it is, to tear out the tears. That's not our concern. We're not to be concerned with who's the tears and who's not. He didn't tell us to worry about that. He didn't tell you to come to church and go, okay, who's the tears in here? Are you a tear? Are you a tear? I bet you're a tear. I never liked you anyway. It's not our responsibility to tear out the tears because we don't know who they are. And if we start trying to tear out the tears, inevitably we're going to pull out the wrong people. And that's why Jesus said, no, let them tarry together. Let them stay together. And in the appropriate time, at the end of the age, the angels will come and they will do the separating. But right now, your responsibility is not to tear out the tears. What are we to do, Rodney? What, this is what we're to do. Simple as this. We're to love them and let God judge them. Now, you should write that down. We're called to love love the tares. That's right. Right now, I don't even like them. I got to love them. That's right. And we're called to love them and let God judge them. And then he will do the separating. Because we don't know. When they come to church, they tithe. They carry a well-worn Bible. All highlighted and marked up. They look spiritual. We don't know. So we love them. We love everybody. And we let God do the separating. 
You understand that? Say amen. That's so important. Now note this, verse 42, from the lips of our loving Savior, he says, when he judges, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice that our loving Savior is talking about certain destruction and he's talking about hell. Can I tell you something just briefly? Hell is a real place. Hell is hot. Hell is painful. Hell is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And while in hell, people know that they're in hell because there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're experiencing pain. Jesus is talking about certain destruction of hell. He is not talking about annihilation. He's talking about hell as a real place. It was Ernest Hemingway who said, life is just a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. Wrong, Ernie. It's not from nothingness to nothingness. Hell is a real place where there's real suffering, where there's real pain, and it is forever and ever and ever and ever. One person once said, and I read this a while ago, they said the one word that that everyone will know in hell is the word forever. Hell is forever. And Jesus is talking about hell. Oh, Jesus never talked about hell. Oh, yeah, he did. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about hell more than you know it, any other preacher in history. And nowadays, when's the last time you heard a sermon about hell? You know, I need to do a sermon on just designated. What is hell? Talk about hell. I bet your attendance will certainly be low. If I, if I, if I tell you up front, I won't even tell you, but next week we'll talk about hell. But I won't even, you know, folk won't come to church. It'd be me and Elvira in here. I'd be like, honey, sit there for three services. Let me tell you, let me tell you about hell. Because my wife's going to be with me no matter what. I'll be preaching about anything. She'd be like, that's right, honey, you preach. She'd be like, you're all right. I go, I know. <laughs> Hell's a real place. And Jesus teaches hell and nobody else does. But then notice the radical change in tone. Verse 42 is talking about hell, but then notice in verse 43. Notice the peaceful tone after talking about hell. Gather the wheat into the barn, the righteous go into the kingdom. The parable of the wheat and the tares simply says that Satan has counterfeits and he plants false Christians. But there is not our responsibility to do the separating. God will take care of that. Our second parable we want to look at today is the parable of the mustard seed. Look with me again in verse 31. And another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Notice our second point, not only false Christians, but Satan plants, Satan shows and encourages false Growth. Notice here, Jesus says the kingdom is like a mustard seed that becomes a great tree and the birds of the air lodge in it. Now, this parable, you look in the Gospel of Matthew here, look in Mark and also in Luke, and the same parable is told, but it's interesting, Jesus doesn't give the interpretation of it. Isn't that interesting? 
And the disciples didn't ask like they did in the last parable. Now, I wish they would have asked because we really don't have the, when I get to heaven, that's what the first thing I'm going to say, Lord, what was up with this mustard seed parable deal? Because he never told us. But although Jesus never tells us exactly what it means, there are certain things that we do know it does not mean. There are many, many scholars and many people who say that this parable, now listen, listen close. This parable, they say, shows the kingdom or the church starts small and then grows beautifully. And then the birds of the air, people come and lodge within the church. Can I submit to you that I, I, I can't accept that interpretation, mainly for two reasons. First of all, you got to understand something. Stay with me. Mustard seeds do not become trees. Mustard seeds are not trees. They become a bush. Mustard seeds will grow as a bush, maybe up to 12 feet tall maximum, but they don't take on, and, and, and people who study trees and, and science and horticulture, they will tell you mustard seeds do not become trees, number one. We know that. And then we also know that the birds of the air, as you follow through scripture, would you please listen? Birds of the air never, ever represent that which is good. The birds of the air always speak of that which is evil. Remember the sower and the seed? We looked at it last week. The seeds were planted by the sower and the birds of the air, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, came and snatched up the seed. So as you follow through scripture, the constancy of scripture, as you see the birds of the air, they don't represent good. It always represents that which is evil. And so what Jesus is teaching here, what I believe Jesus is teaching here and talking about is abnormal and unnatural false growth. He's talking about a mustard seed that grows from small, but then it grows abnormally and the birds of the air lodge in it. Now, one commentator said that the birds of the air in this text represent denominations. And so there's a Baptist bird, and there's a Presbyterian bird, and there's a Methodist bird, and there's a Catholic bird, and a Pentecostal bird. It's all kind of birds. They represent denominations. Listen, the birds in the parables, as I previously said, speak of evil. The trees represent the false church which produces false growth. This is the church that claims to be Christian. And we know, would you hear what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be disrespectful. My comments forthcoming are not trying to be disrespectful and hurtful and insulting. But can I tell you that much of that which is done in the name of Christianity is not Christian at all. And many of those that claim to be Christians within various denominations are not Christian at all. We have the church 
of the Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, the Mormon Church, which claims to be Christian. We have the Jehovah's Witness Church that claims to be Christian. There are many branches of Roman Catholicism that is in gross idolatry and worshiping statutes and praying to saints, and they claim to be Christian. We have Christian science, which is neither Christian nor scientific, but they claim to be Christians. We have the Seventh-day Adventists and their legalism and their teaching on, get this, investigative judgment. What's that, Rodney? Investigative judgment simply says this. Everyone will stand before God and our, and our good works must outweigh our bad works. Ellen G. White has taught this. Among the Seventh-day Adventists, can I tell you something? That teaching is wrong. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.